Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels we're reading. I'm Todd A. Taylor Trask. Welcome, Taylor, to another episode of Panelism. <laughs> yes, yes. We just finished recording a book pick of my own, so we're. Uh, I'm glad we can roll right into your episode, too. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to my review of Analog. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Great little pick. What, uh, yeah. I guess, what's new with you this week? For those of you who are listening fresh, uh, Todd, what's what's new in your world? What's going on? Oh, boy. Still, we're, we've, we've reached the California autumn where it is freezing when I wake up and uncomfortably warm all day. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, so I am uh, hopefully finally defeating this, uh, what I originally thought was allergy attacks and then discovered uh, with a, uh, a trip to the walk-in that it was a sinus infection and of course, I said, you know, it started right when the Santa Ana's kicked back up, and they were all like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly it." Everyone. And you haven't. Said, one thing I haven't asked you: you haven't been adversely affected by all the fire smoke, have you? Because California's burning down as we speak. Isn't it? Yeah, it's not good. We uh, I, we haven't really felt it, but um, but it's related because those fires started right when the Santa Ana winds um just came back, and uh, um you know you could tell i mean it was literally like overnight you know they, there was a warning about santa anna's and a, and a red flag warning and the next day there were these huge fires and my whole head was stopped up so and you know not related to the fires but these winds i mean it's uh it's such a big deal out here you know i thought it was charming when belinda carlisle sang about it and you know circle in the sand or <laughs> whatever song that was uh <laughs> there's a deep cut if there ever was one yeah Jeez. no nobody could I, come on circle in the sand fans um <laughs> But uh, we go listen to Belinda Carlisle over the recording. Yeah, it was like her second single off the "Heaven Is a Place on Earth" CD. Um, in the sand. <laughs> Isn't that when she mentions the Santa Anas? I sure. don't. Um, I uh, but sure. where I live in Orange County, um, it, there's there's this really sort of I, I don't know whether it's creepy or not indication that the Santa Anas are really strong, which is the planes uh, reverse their course into John Wayne Airport. Okay. And um, wow. so they, you know, they want to land against the wind. So they have to fly out over the coast and then come in inland is their approach, you know, so that the, the wind is uh, at their head. Um, so it's just straight, you know, it's like from where, like, I can literally walk outside and just see the direction of the planes landing and go like, oh, yeah, we're in for it. You know, Let's start with the fact that there's an airport called John Wayne Airport. I yeah. did not realize this. this is- oh, my God. It's, I asked you earlier this week if you were a Rested Development fan and... um. There, and you said no, but there's a great line in Rest of Development where uh, Tobias Fionke, uh, played by um, David Cross, is like imitating John Wayne. He's like, I'm John Wayne. I'm a big man. I'm going to put my name on an airport. <laughs> Jeez. Let's be. I wanna, that's what he's known for. <laughs> I want to clarify, though, for those of you listening, going, "What? He's not an Arrested Development fan." It's not that I don't. I, I mean, I think it's a great no, little I, show. I just haven't had the time and attention yet to give it my full, my full, you know, a okay. I, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's delightful. I just haven't. Yeah. It hasn't crossed my path. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I don't like right, it. Right, it's right, just yeah, that yeah, I good clear. Yeah, yeah. You, you were, you were. I shouldn't have said you're not a fan. You, you have not seen it. Yes, that's right. I mean, because that if to say you're, you're not, not even an arrest, to say you're not an Arrested <laughs> Development fan or that you dislike it, I think that that puts a giant dent in my credibility. So I just just want to clarify that right now. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Good one. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna start using that actually because uh, 
uh, I, I, uh, after after book club last night, um, a few of us went and got drinks, and there was this funny talk where you would notice uh, whatever sort of fandom we discussed went to where some people had just had no exposure to it. You know, and it went from like Game of Thrones to Harry Potter to like the, some certain horror movie genre to this, you know, the series of books. And no matter what it was, several people would bond over this being like a big thing in their life. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there would always be one or two people that went, I have no idea what this is. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're on that side of like, I, you know, you just haven't really been exposed to it. But um, yeah. Uh, That's how I, I feel about the cart, the animated series in the 80s. Both, there's two. One is called Silverhawks and the other one is called Brave Star. And every time I bring up Brave Star, because that, and I bring up Brave Brave Star because he has the same gun that Star Lord does in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, oh, that's like Brave Star's gun. And people are like, what the hell is Brave Star? I'm like, it came out at the same time as Silverhawks. They're like, what the hell is Silverhawks? And I was like, I, I, I just I can't I can't handle it. So I'm like, these are two iconic '80s cartoons that should be. Re- I mean, Netflix could easily reboot both right now, and and they'd be great. But nobody knows what yeah. they are but me silver hawk sounds really familiar to me i'll have to i'll have to google that at a, at a later at a later time but um it's not exactly an 80s throwback but i got a good throwback for us today to talk oh, about. oh for your book pick yeah <laughs> so i alluded to this a couple episodes ago um and th- you know got it off the shelf and thought this will be my next pick let's do it um this is uh, a a comic book published by dc comics who you know, create creators and uh, um, what do we want to call it? Like uh, um, curators of Batman and Catwoman low these 60 plus years. Um, but this is called just imagine Stan Lee's Catwoman. Mm. <laughs> and with the passing of uh, Stan Lee, um, it, you know, it, in the past couple of weeks, we're not exactly sure when this will air, but uh, about two weeks ago, um, Stan Lee passed away and you and I mentioned this on an episode. It kind of brought this up and, and, I said at the time, it's just such a uh, quintessentially sort of Stan Lee take on a DC character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually did a slight bit of research for this episode. If, you're, if you've if you listened to it before, you'll know that I just really don't prepare at all besides reading the book. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I also tried to get the timeline right because um, it, one thing I always forget about is Stan Lee had actually stepped away from Marvel um, in the in the 90s. Um, but he was still a, a, the chairman emeritus. Um, and Wikipedia points out he was still earning a million dollars a year for that honorary title. Wow. Um, Damn. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But he had started, this is crazy too. I, I want to tell you this just because it's crazy. So he started a thing called Stanley Media with someone named Peter Paul, which is amazing <laughs> to me that this guy has an alliterative name. Mm-hmm. It's like Stanley almost made this guy up. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but Peter Paul, um, was uh, illegally manipulating stock. Oh. <laughs> and um, so Stanley Media, uh, this was uh, near the end of 1999, had to file for bankruptcy protection uh, in 2001. Paul had to be extradited to the U.S. from Brazil. Um, anyway, Lee was never implicated in the scheme. So it was uh, around 2001, Stanley formed uh, with a couple other partners, formed this thing called POW Entertainment. Oh, yeah. And that was what you and I were trying to think of in that past episode. We knew he had done this other side thing. We couldn't remember what it was. Um, the big thing they were known for was that hit cartoon, Stripperella. 
wait really that was yeah oh no that was like one of the first things they developed Um, they also developed well i if i this may be completely wrong but if i recall correctly there was a back in the days when sci-fi channel was uh you know like actually had the uh, the planet sort of logo and was sci-fi. they had this thing called stan lee's who wants to be a superhero and i think that was also about that because i remember seeing the pal logo come up at the end of that yep in the credits um which you know that show it was kind of it was a reality show it was kind of like american idol but it was you know people would come and create their superheroes and they'd have to dress up like them basically like pitching their character yeah Um, and they would have to do like super feats and stuff right yeah, I mean, not, and then, not like super, but it was sort of like a uh, parkour or something. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and then like there's other challenges and things. And Stanley was kind of the host, yeah, uh, slash judge. But then at some point, when they got down to like the final four or five, they they basically helped them refine the characters. So they gave them a costume boost, and you know, mm. they all these guys came to the show kind of with their own homemade stuff, and they uh, they added and, and took away. It was just it, I remember when it came out. It was like mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, no, and this was absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. It, it was absolutely a PAL Entertainment production. Okay, great. And, and yeah, 2006 to 2007. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that absolves him of the stripperella. Uh, oh, good, good. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, it's such a good. It's like in retrospect, I, I just it's the name. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> More than anything, because wasn't it Pamela Anderson Lee? Yeah, I believe she? so. Yeah, she was and it's Barbara. Like, no, she's barbed. She was barbed wire. Barbed wire. There we go. But yeah. it was like, why not make just a? Maybe they did make a barbed wire cartoon. I don't even know. This is probably a rabbit hole not worth uh, no, falling not. in. Stripperella <laughs> is not your book. That's basically the no gist of this story. <laughs> but to set that time uh, around, like, so in two thousand one, DC actually contracted with Stan to do a whole series of Just Imagines. Oh, um, okay. And so he did. There were thirteen issues where he reimagined DC characters and actually these books, this is the thing I just totally did not even know any of this. Um, I don't know how many years ago I got the Catwoman book, but uh, just, you know, I'm kind of a Catwoman fan and and it's, she's one of those great characters of like through the years to see how she's changed and how different artists and writers interpret her. Um, So there was a, a good chunk of time where whenever I would find just an old Catwoman book, you know, before we even like called them trade paperbacks or something, just like collected editions or something, I would just grab it. Mm-hmm. So I have all these random books and I never, they never really fit in any continuity. This was just sort of one of those where I went, oh, it's, you know, um, it's going it, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not going to tie in directly to this other stuff, but it sort of goes in my random collection, whatever. Um, and then I remember reading at the time and I actually forgot all about this when you and I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. This is not Selena Kyle. No. <laughs> Stanley imagined totally different names and backgrounds for these uh, characters. I'll run you through the list really quickly. He did a Batman story, a Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, Robin, Shazam, Aquaman, Catwoman, Sandman, not the Neil Gaiman one, and then a Justice League of America. Um, so uh, the... Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if you could guess this, but uh, given what I just said about his partner, Peter Paul, um, this is <laughs> Catwoman's name is not Selena Kyle. It is Joni Jordan. <laughs> uh, of course. And I only found out on Wikipedia that in his Batman book, it's Wayne Williams and Wonder Woman is Maria Mendoza. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, I'm looking at I just Googled uh, Stanley's just imagine I'm seeing the cover 
for both this Catwoman book, but also his JLA. And it it's I mean it oh. looks just like any DC Elseworlds kind of kind right of book. Um, but I'm just looking even like his Batman. I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. It's interesting that DC would let him do this. Um, and you know, it's like he's not at Marvel. He's uh, you know, Stanley Media has folded. Yeah, uh, it's right before POW is formed. Um, and he just comes on board to write basically a year of of single issue kind of things, but ties them together with some some bad guys so that there's a okay. way they can all come together in the justice league issue and, you know, work together or whatever. Um, well, we, have and I, to, well, we have to address some things right out of the game. Yeah. I'm looking at this book and I'm seeing the way they're depicting Catwoman, yeah. And she looks like Edward Scissorhands. Like she looks yeah. like, not like anything I would ever imagine Catwoman to look like. Did, <laughs> how long did it take for you to just sort of buy into this character in this world and the way it's presented? It, honestly finding out that this was a whole series of things uh, both cheered me, but also kind of um, depressed me because it, I was not depressed, but you know, it just sort of was like, Oh man, I, I actually sort of liked the idea that this was just some random standalone, or maybe you'd only done a couple issues or something mm -hmm. because it is uh, so kind of old school. I mean, certainly by 2001, um, when I wasn't really reading comics, I mean, I know I didn't get this in 2001. That was sort of, you know, that was in my, my off time of reading comics. So I can't really speak to the comics around at that time, but it definitely has that, that Stanley feel. It was for sure before the time where narration was omnipresent like first person narration is now just omnipresent in mm -hmm. all books you know there's always like those little boxes where it's one character narrating it and uh for the past many years dc has been doing it where they will sort of you know color in the box and maybe sometimes i know in the superman batman books they'll you know they'll one of their sigils will appear so you know if if batman's thinking this or superman's thinking this so they can mm -hmm. have this sort of <laughs> you know not just monologuing but not really dialoguing just dual monologuing or something this is before all that and it's very stanley in in where it's the character is literally saying everything that's happening to her and she's saying it out loud mm. um, so you know it's there's no thought bubbles it's just uh you know her her talking to like her cat and she's like oh you're safe with me even though we live alone here in the big city you know or something <laughs> like that and you're like that's such a weird thing to say right now you know right before thieves break in the door. Um, so then just a couple pages in, um, she, in the perfect Stan Lee sort of creation of a superhero, she, <laughs> these thieves break into her, her home, which first of all, I should, I should explain the thieves have the worst plan you've ever heard of to break into a bank, which is there's some huge big baddie that has like superpowers. And he sends his gang out to break into this bank. Um, and just straight up rob the bank, which first of all is just the dumbest plan ever, you know, for anyone to to rob a bank. Like those, <laughs> those, those rarely go right, and you certainly can't make a living doing it, and you're probably not going to get that much money. <laughs> I believe the Heath Ledger Joker would would beg to disagree, but go on. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he, he burned all his all his profits, so he definitely That's right. didn't make out. That's right. But um, he got a good suit out of it. He at least he had a better plan. Um, so these <laughs> a great plan. I love burglars, the, the head bad guy says to the burglars, there's one person that's like, they're like, we can't break into that bank. It's so secure. And the uh, super bad guy whose name is Fergo <laughs> tells them, and he's dressed in just a straight up 
1960s astronaut suit. Like that's just what, what? he wears. Yeah, we don't know why. Um, Fergo tells them there's a there's one person that's going to be key to this, and she's going to get you on the inside. You know, smash cut to Joni Jordan in her underwear talking to her cat. Um, but he doesn't explain how they're going to get <laughs> how she's going to get him in the bank. And then you're, you know, I mean, I guess at first you, it's, it's kind of clever writing. Cause you think like, wait, is she a bad guy? You know, what's going on? And it's clearly the, the protagonist here. Um, no, no, no. Their plan is just to threaten her with death unless she walks them in. <laughs> because okay. She's a model. She's a model who's working the opening. So they break into her apartment. Like they literally smash the door down guns drawn okay. in order to convince her. <laughs> to walk them into the bank with her just terrible. Like no, no. Tact, is she, is she cat woman at this point? Is she, no, no, is no. she, is so she, is she still just regular old inciting incident? They smash down the door. She is just comforted her cat. And you know, because of the scary thunder and lightning um, and her cat's name is Ebony. It's a black cat. And she's at, she's near the window when this, this thief is threatening her. And all of a sudden a bolt of green lightning shoots into the apartment striking her and her cat together and you know, <laughs> of course the lights go out and these thieves are sort of mysteriously defeated in the dark you know something runs around and slashes their guns and causes them to, to accidentally fire at each other and um uh, you, you know she has become part cat <laughs> this uh, only sounds slightly less ridiculous than the Halle Berry Catwoman movie or I, yeah, even- it's actually it's much less ridiculous than that. That that was definitely ridiculous. She just fell out a window and then a bunch of cats stepped on her or something, right? Well, that was Michelle Pfeiffer. She felt like Christopher uh yeah. Walken pushes her out of the window. She falls to her death. Cats start like kind of lick, you know, licking her and nipping at her and she kind of wakes up zombified and yeah. That and I actually oh, yeah, okay. I didn't, and I I think Halle Berry I, I have I'll be honest. I've only seen maybe 20 minutes of that movie. Oh. Uh, in, in its entirety and and that the origin scene was not one of them so i, I only kind of yeah. i think that I, I think there was a similarity though i remember reading it thinking like oh yeah that i i, I made a, a similarity there too but i i honestly don't remember the origin either it's you know so there's that other thing of like um it feels throwback in comics where the hero gains these weird powers and instantly knows how to use them you know she's ah. around in the dark slicing you know there's nothing weird like you know what the hell is happening to me she's just slicing their guns apart with these huge claws and then there's a a, honestly like a really great panel of her standing looking out the window um with the the rain coming in and it's just like this you know it's it's half the half the panel it's a full page half of it is black and you see her claws extending down into the black they're not like cat claws they're really long um and fortunately she says aloud uh just like ebony I can extend my claws, but they're much longer than hers in case you didn't pick up on that. So she just literally tells you everything that happened to her. It was after the green lightning bolt hit me. I was able to see in the dark like a cat. (laughs) I feel stronger, faster, more alert. Every nerve tingling. Did her cat die in this process? Did did, did the cat like get merged into her body? I I think there's a moment where you think that. And then on the literally on the next page, she turns around and she's telling you, I can retract my claws at will. And then the cat springs into the frame. Ebony, thank heaven. You're all right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So <clears throat> the cops show up and, you know, she just presents it as a break-in gone wrong, but she becomes very famous um, because she's this model. And so that, you know, there's a news story about how this model uh, foiled a robbery. Um, and so her agent at the modeling agency is like, wow, now I can double her rates. Um, <laughs> That's the first thing he thinks about. Yeah. And there are actual like... Woman. I'm going to show actually thought bubbles for him. He doesn't say this out loud. He says, that means I can charge my clients more for her. And then another thought bubble, but I mustn't let her know or she'll want <laughs> a raise. And then <laughs> literally three panels later, she's in the frame and he's on the phone saying, if you want Joni Jordan, you got to pay double from now on. I, you got to wonder like, how much that is pulled from Stan's real life. Like was just, was. Was that something he had with his own agent that he's like, I'm going to put this in my book? Well, he did sue Marvel in, in uh, 2005, it looks like. Um, oh. When he was not getting the royalties he thought he should get for X-Men and uh, the Spider-Man films. Little did um, he know that was, <laughs> was going to change in a big bad way soon. Yeah. So there's uh, so she's a model, which is weird. And um, the way this news story plays into it is that her father is a retired police inspector and so initially i thought oh yeah oh they've he's sort of merging the um uh, uh oh my god the chief batman's chief um gordon gordon uh, yeah he's merging the gordon story in this but no 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 this guy's retired he was inspector of course he's jordan you know that's what led me a jordan gordon thing was what was stuck in my head and uh um, this is inspector gordon and so she goes to visit her father and inspector jordan who's retired is like you know He's so he's like, hey, you did a good job fighting off those people and you showed them what regular folk can do. But it's not like those terrible superheroes that are out there acting like vigilantes. So she thinks I don't even she, she may say this out loud. Oh, no, I mustn't tell my father that I am the Catwoman. <laughs> so she <laughs> it'd be amazing if she said that out loud in front of him. Like right. that would be perfect. <laughs> I, I, I want to write a, a comic book that is like that. Like it has that shirtless bear fighter literalness to it. Where, but you know, it's the all the superhero tropes where nothing is hidden, but she's yeah, just saying it out loud. So she, she goes. <clears throat> so she, goes, what was that? It's like nothing, nothing, Dad. I can't yeah. let you know my true secret. Wait, you just said just now you can't let me know your true secret. Never mind. <laughs> like, oh no, I said that out loud. Wait, <laughs> yeah. what are you you're now? You're saying that out loud. <laughs> that could be amazing. Wow. Dad's detective instincts are still sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got to write that separately. Yeah. Sorry, so, sorry. So she, you know, obviously that leads her to think. Well, I can't just walk around as Joni Jordan with like Catwoman stuff. I need a disguise. She goes back home. Uh, and says aloud, of course, thank God, I know how to sew very really well. And of so course. she makes a, a Catwoman outfit for herself. Um, she puts on a dark wig and kitty ears. So it's, yeah, it's that that part's a little strange. Um, and it seems that she has, like, painted her face pale. But it's not, I mean, it, it's paler definitely when she is Catwoman. Uh, she goes out, she sort of learns her, her superpowers in a Spider-Man, uh, you know, sort of montage of jumping from building to building to see if she can do it. Uh, then she is immediately a superhero. You know, that's that's the thing. She goes and saves a family from a, built, a burning building. Um, just standard superhero stuff. But Fergo, little does she know that Fergo is just very upset that his bank heist has been foiled by this girl. So <clears throat> he sends his gang out to get the girl again. Um, they kidnap her. They lock her up. Fergo is very enchanted with her. Um, he locks her up. She goes along with this because she's dressed as Joni Jordan, doesn't want to spoil her identity, um, gets put in a padded cell. Um, and then 
for whatever reason, just decides to spoil her identity and like, <laughs> you know, slashes them up and runs out of there um, and tries to fool them as she's doing that. Like literally saying aloud, thank God Catwoman snuck in and liberated me so that you guys don't know this happened or whatever. It's like, wow, this, the mind control in this is amazing. Um, and then in another part that just, to me, like sort of, it just doesn't really make sense is, so she decides to go to that bank opening anyway in her model yeah. self, but she's got the black wig on. So she goes looking like Catwoman, <laughs> just oh in street God. clothes. Wow. So of course the bank heist is going on. They have, uh, they're, they're bullying a, a one of the different models, but Joni sneaks in um, because they recognize her as the other model. So the guards let her in. Uh, she foils the robbery. She sees Fergo trying to escape with his jetpack, um, which she she says, "Son of a gun, he's got some kind of flying gear." Uh, and he's dressed <laughs> like an astronaut. I mean, yes, it's- and there's like clearly like a pack on his back with fire shooting out of it. So she, uh, <clears throat> you know, it goes up and fights Fergo in the sky, destroys his suit, which causes him to die in some way, and then. Uh, luckily survives this crazy fall from the atmosphere. Uh, not like Batman and Robin by um, uh, uh, wave boarding on a door from an escape pod, but um, <laughs> like I a, forgot all about that. <laughs> like Uh-oh. a cat where she sort of, you know, learns how to fall and bounce from, from ledge to ledge. And of course she has to tell you like, I, you know, I got to think of a cat and how they always land on their feet and then spring, 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 she's down, she's safe. Um, she's reunited with the people at work. Everybody's happy. She sees her father again. And he's now, of course, fully cursing Catwoman. And she's like, I'm going to have to keep this secret to myself. Joni Jordan, you know, <laughs> I can't ever tell my father that I am Catwoman. Um, so that is Stan Lee's Catwoman. And I just, it, you know, it's fun to make fun of it, but it's definitely like that hilarious, charming kind of you know, old school comic book tale. Like that's all the cliches are there. You know, you can just imagine what the, what her manager at the model agency looks like. You know, he's short, he's bald. He's got like a, a a scruffy beard, definitely got the cigar, you know, chomping on that while he's like yelling on the phone, phone always in his hand. Yeah. It's like just the, you know, what if it's J Jonah Jameson, but we shrink him down a little bit, take his hair off. Yeah. So it's, uh, but it's illustrated in such a like late nineties, early two thousands fashion of just a lot of sharp angles. Um, Who did the art? Oh yeah. I'm glad you asked. It was uh, Chris uh, Bacallo and Richard friend. And I think, um, yeah, yeah. Chris was the pencil art and then Richard was the anchor on it. Okay. Um, there's also a Darwin cook story told at the end. Um, and or or at least like penciled by him at the end. Um, you know, let me see who who did the art on that. Um, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Who did the story on that? Michael Uslan did the story at the end, and Darwin Cook did the pencil. And at that time, you know, Darwin was sort of known for his throwback style. So there's like the short story at the end um, that's told in the same kind of tone and stuff, but it's you know it looks like Darwin Cook's art. Uh, and to be honest with you, like. Probably every time I've read this, I just sort of read part of that and go, eh, I'm not interested. Um, and not because of any like the content or anything. It's just that the the novelty to me is the Stan Lee story. And, you know, I, on one hand, it's like, wow, if you only have whatever it is, like 34 pages or something, 32 pages to tell the story, uh, how do you do that without being so literal? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like I alluded to, I discovered there's this other weird character that shows up 
um oh if you looked at the wikipedia you might have seen it, but i can't remember his name it's something dark it's like professor dark or something like that um <laughs> Uh, he really stretches uh, for his names, doesn't he? Reverend Dark. And Reverend it's just Dark, this okay. sort of otherworldly being, you know, in a big cloak, and he, he looks real spooky. Um, and I, but I guess it was, it's very senseless why that character is in this panel when Fergo is obviously the bad guy. But it, Dark is the character that repeats through all of these books that they have to go after together at the end. So, um, yeah, just, you know, that's pretty much all there is to it. I spoiled the hell out of this. Like I told you off air that I would do, but you and I agreed. It's like, first of all, it's 16 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it also, I don't think ruins the enjoyment of it for me to just tell you literally what the story is. I think the fun of it is that zany story. And and hopefully I conveyed that. And, you know, it's, I would think it's just kind of an artifact in these yeah days. So soon after Stan's passing, it's like, Oh, let's just kind of go back and look at like all the kooky stuff he made. You know, like this is such a B side kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's <clears throat> gonna search these out, of course, but you know the A sides are gonna get a lot of attention. Go for the deep cuts. <laughs> I like, I like that. You're right, because you know everybody's gonna you know, in, the, in the sort of this initial period, everybody's gonna go back to kind of the greatest hits. But it's this kind of thing, you know, that really. And I'm glad you, by the way, I'm glad you you did get into so much detail because if I was listening. And I didn't know that it was this literal and kind of kooky and weird. Like I would have been, I would have gone into it with a very different expectation. Yeah. So now I like it, so I can just read it purely for the fun. Yeah. Of it and, <laughs> and just not be, you know, know exactly what I'm getting into. I'm I'm glad you said that. Like you repeating that back to me, or you're saying that about the the kookiness is that it emphasizes to me that it's it's important. It's an important point that this is like camp in the best sense. Mm. Um, and I'm drawing on a. a uh, I, I believe John Waters was uh, talked one time about how camp um, uh, you can't always plan for camp. Sometimes the best camp stuff is, has been made totally seriously mm. <laughs> and it just doesn't know how campy it is, you know, mm-hmm. and like showgirls, the movie. <laughs> um, and I think this is one of those things. Like, I don't think this was written. I don't think the creators thought like, Oh, this is so kooky to have, you know, it's not like shirtless bear fighter where the literalness is the kookiness. Yeah. It, it, this was just, that's how Stanley wrote, I think. And, you know, and the, and the conventions of the time, there weren't those narrator boxes and stuff like that. So uh, you've got to look at it. Like there's distinct reasons why sometimes the character's saying something in a thought bubble and sometimes just speaking it out loud. It's so weird. Like why, why would you think like to speak all this exposition out loud? Yeah. But you know, the thought bubbles just look different. Like it looked weirder to do that at the time. So anyway, yeah, this may, and tell me if this, if this creates an entire new episode to discuss, but after (laughs) reading this, do you feel you have a a better handle or a more contextual handle on how Stan Lee writes female characters? And I ask this because I feel like he is of a time you know, and I'm not saying he's a he's a womanizer. I'm not saying any of that, but I think he is based on this and based on some of the things I've read, I kind of feel like he's a little predisposed to making the woman the female characters a little too on the nose sometimes. Uh-huh. And sometimes that works in his, his favor. I'm just wondering if 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 this particular story gives you any more clarity into that. No, actually, but that that um I, I mean it only raises more questions. Like that's a really interesting question that's a that's a really 
interesting way to approach that topic because I think Stanley, you know, I mean, he is a, obviously a, a, you know, a creature of his times. He's 95 years old this year. So he's yeah. born in like, you know, the twenties. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And, to, it's hard to remember that. Like in the seventies, he was already old. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like this, this was written when he was a spry 79 year old. I mean, think about <laughs> that. Like we, we forget this cause he's sort of, he's always kind of looked the same since the early eighties. Yeah. So it's kind of like, Oh, he's just immortal now. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, he, I, as a as a counter as a comparison point, you know he go back and read some of those early like Spider Man books in the seventies or sixties or seventies. Like he uses the word like machismo, you know, like when yeah. like the villains would be like, "My masculine machismo will help me." And it's like, wow, what era were you raised in? And it's like, oh, the twenties. Well, of course, right, right, right. Like, you know, this makes perfect sense. So I just I wonder if his, if just sort of his backdrop of of growing up influences the way he writes or deals with women characters it's just i'm just curious well i mean i'll tell you if i ever cross paths with some of these other just imagine books i'll pick them up because it would be interesting to see like the wonder woman one <clears throat> and i believe in in his just imagine the flash is a woman oh um, okay yeah the flash mary maxwell <laughs> 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 um and uh so i you know i would absolutely pick those up if i if i see them are we uh, sure that are we sure that Peter Paul isn't like his John Barron, like his his no, fake character that he created, like <laughs> like Donald Trump created this fake character, like do PR from like Peter Paul, yeah. like you put somebody calls up, like he calls the New York Times, he's like like New York Times, he's like hi true believers, this is Peter Paul, they're like you sound <laughs> like Stan believer. Lee. No, not at all. I am Peter Paul. <laughs> oh my stock manipulation scheme has gone awry. That wasn't me. That was. Peter Paul, Peter Paul, and like his intern at the time just takes the fall for him. It's like <laughs> this is how um, he. I mean, they did have it. to extradite that guy back. To <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So you know they got they got him. Uh, so it, some real person took the blame for that for sure. But right. no, it is. I mean, you know, I, I you sort of said it in the middle of there. Like, how how is this? Uh, are we sure this isn't reflective of just Stanley's life? Like people were just illiterate. You know, their yeah. names were alliterative around him yeah. and. Uh, um, yeah, it's interesting, definitely interesting to think about this through that lens of like, uh, how he wrote female characters, Jeez, especially to think he's writing these female characters when he's nearly 80, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they hired a 78 or nine year old man to go reinvent their superheroes for a year. I just love the fact that DC let him do it. Yeah. You know? Was that, was that during Jim Lee's tenure? Uh, uh, I think it was pre pre Lee. Um, I'm not sure when he came in, but I can look up the the editor. I guess because uh, this just goes to show DC traditionally is more daring. I feel like than Marvel has been. And if you if you're gonna compare big two to big two, um, yeah, I just feel like DC is when, when push comes to shove and there's a bold creative choice to make, they make it more often than not. I feel like Marvel's a little safer sometimes. Yeah. And maybe somebody will be like, nah, I mean, I, if you have an example that, that counters that, please let me know. But I just feel like pound for pound, DC always makes slightly, even if it fails miserably, not that this did, but just, you know, even if it's, if, if it's, you know, if it goes down in, in history and flames, it's still part of their catalog and it makes them all the more eclectic as a, as a publisher. Um, I don't know. I just, I dig that yeah. about them. This was Jeanette Kahn was the president and editor, really? editor in chief at the time. So interesting. Um, I don't know much about her tenure there, but um, yeah, just uh, I, I would say if you're, if you're a fan of Stan Lee and especially in this time, like who, who isn't, you know, still uh, basking in, in all the great stuff he gave us and you see any of these just imagine comics, grab them. 
because uh, and and I don't even know if it's I you know I I googled it but I didn't even look to see if there's a digital version available. Um, so this this may be one you gotta you gotta dig in the you know in the long boxes for. Um, but it's it's uh, it is uh, bound as if it is a trade paperback, but it's definitely shorter than that. This is you know it, it feels like an oversized issue, and mm-hmm. especially because they've got that Darwin Cook story at the end. Um, they're giving you a little bit more like sort of bonus material, but it's, you know, it's, this is not even three issues. I don't think of a, of a comic. So it's, but, you know, he didn't have a lot of time to, to get the whole story out there. <laughs> kind of sounds like, by, by the way, it's worth noting. Jeanette Kahn is to DC in my eyes as Stanley was to Marvel. Like Jeanette oh. Kahn is, I mean, she's the reason Watchmen happened. She's the reason dark Knight mm. uh, returns happened. She's the reason like she was the and, 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 and she's basically was there when vertigo launched. Um, as an imprint. So like she was Jeanette Kahn is, I mean, we owe a lot of the, of the modern comics industry as it is now to Jeanette Kahn. Cause she was the one that pushed to get a lot of the British creators um, over, you know, if you really wow. want to get into okay. her backstory, the director's cut of Watchmen on Blu-ray has a really good featurette on just how it's, it's about Watchmen in, in terms of its publishing history, but it also talks a lot about DC and she's featured pretty heavily and you get a sense of like what she did to push the creative boundaries over at DC. So it makes perfect sense to me that she would have been around when this, uh, when this was published or that it may have even you know been on one of her ideas for all. Oh. I know. Who knows? That's, that's yeah, really cool very cool. Well, that's how oh, that's really, that's really cool to know because yeah, it, it, it feels like that, you know, it feels like getting Alan Moore over to do, a watchman or, or something like that. Like it's, you know, I was about to say crossover. It's not necessarily that crossover, just like let's hire the unexpected to, yeah to, yeah. to do something here. So yeah, I, I would love to hear from anyone who listens to this, like how, you know, how they perceive that DC Marvel split, you know, is DC willing to take more risks than Marvel? Um, it, you know, brings to mind that thing that I read a long time ago, which I've said many times on different episodes of uh, how Marvel is uh, so occupied with keeping everything in canon that sometimes they don't they don't want to let people just play with their characters in any crazy way. But then as soon as I say that, I think of all the times, you know, Captain America turns out to be a Nazi or something crazy. <laughs> like that. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I wonder what other people think about that. But um, yeah, until uh, until we hear from people. Where can people find this podcast? We are everywhere podcasts are found. I always want to say sold, and that's not. I know, I know. It's free. I know. It's free for you. But it's, yeah. you know, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Stitcher, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts. Just search for Panelism, and you'll find the show. If you're, if you're telling a friend about us, just tell them to search for Panelism. And you can also find us online. We are panelism.inc. That is the URL as well as the Instagram uh, handle. There's a dot ink in the handle. Twitter, I think, and anywhere else you want to search for us, just search for panelism.ink. And it pulls up all our past episodes, website, everything like that, all that good stuff. Uh, what about you, sir? Anything else you want to promote? No, th- I'm good for now. We'll have other updates soon. And um, yeah, I-, I it was good talking to you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back for another book pick soon. And in the meantime, happy reading. Oh, you know what I'll say? Oh, this comes out on Wednesdays. It's New Comic Book Day. And on this New Comic Book Day, go to your local comic book shop and dig through their long boxes to look for Just Imagine Stan Lee. So, do it. Excellent. All right, talk to you soon. Girl.